Good evening. I'm your host, Scott. Welcome to the Coffee, Books, and Movies podcast. This is Coffee and Books. Oh, yeah. We're in a new place, trying new things. Welcome, everybody. I am actually doing this podcast from Indiana. I'm very excited to begin and talk to you about all that. And I just want to start by saying this book that I'm going to talk to you all about today is wow. It is a mind-boggling, it is head-exploding science. Let's get into it. This book is by Michio Kaku. He's the best-selling author of Hyperspace. This book is called Parallel Worlds, A Journey Through Creation, Higher Dimensions, and the Future of the Cosmos, Part 1. A wonderful tour with an expert guide of a cosmos whose comprehension forces us to stretch to the very limits of imagination. This was written by Brian Green, author of The Elegant Universe. This is the back cover now. Kaku employs amiable style that does much to make the story accessible, even for those of us who have trouble telling the difference between super string theory and silly string aerosol. Fascinating, and sometimes downright boggling, from Sci-Fi Magazine. In this thrilling journey into the mysteries of our cosmos, best-selling author Michio Kaku takes us on a dizzying ride to explore black holes and time machines, and multidimensional space, and most tantalizing of all, the possibility that parallel universes may lie alongside our own. Kaku skillfully guides us through the latest innovations in string theory and in its most recent iteration, M-theory, which persists that or persists that our universe may be just one in an endless multiverse, a singular bubble floating in a sea of infinite bubble universes. If M theory is proven correct, we may perhaps finally find an answer to the question: What happened before the Big Bang? This is an exciting and unforgettable introduction to the cutting-edge theories of physics and cosmology from one of the preeminent voices in the field. Kaku covers a tremendous amount of material in a clear and lively way. This was from Los Angeles Times Book Review. 100 years ago, Albert Einstein revolutionized science of cosmology in parallel worlds. Michio Kaku, another genius, updates us on the science and speculates about the future of the universe from San Antonio Express. This book was published in 2005, so it is a little bit outdated, and this book is about nearly 400 pages long, and I'm actually only about three-fourths of the way through it. So you might ask yourself, why? Why on earth am I starting with this? You know, like, don't I want to finish the book? Well, yes, but see, the truth is, is that I got a lot going on, and this book is definitely something I want to review before I move on to my next book. So where do we even begin? Science, general, Big Bang, you know, all the different stuff in the universe, trying to comprehend all that can be very, very, very difficult. So we have to start at the very beginning. We have to discuss all the science and discoveries. And it all started, of course, with Isaac Newton. Now, Newton is very famous for discovering gravity, or rather being able to define gravity and the stories that go along with it. Um, Of course, you know, he was a big part of what we know as as physics today. Of course, then we also have Albert Einstein, a great contributor to the field. You might know him very well for E equals MC squared, very famous formula. Uh, We talk about other scientists, including Niels Bohr. We talk about, you know, 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 Oppenheimer and the atomic bomb. We cover it all in this uh, topic, and it all starts with understanding what on, what on earth is the universe? That's the very first step. 
And the truth is, is that we don't quite know. <laughs> as much as we want to all say we know exactly what the universe is, you know, uh, 500 years ago, we thought the universe was just the Milky Way galaxy. You know, even before that, we just thought it was our solar system. Even before that, we just thought the center of everything revolved around the Earth. So we are still learning, still growing, and that's what's possibly the greatest part about this book is that I hope that there's an update down the road. Um, it's been a while. It's been about, what, 18 years? So, you know, maybe, just maybe, we can get an updated copy of where all these theories put us in physics because there has been a lot of physics that has been going on in the last, I don't know, 15 to 18 years. Uh, some examples of this include, you know, the advancement of discovering a black hole, advancement of M-theory, string theory, and all that different stuff. And we're going to talk about all of it as best as I can as someone who is not a scientist, someone who has not studied physics in depth, somebody who is just interested in the field and outer space. So first, we have to talk about, like I said, Isaac Newton. And you might go, why? Well, Isaac Newton basically, like I said, developed our concept of what the universe is, our modern cosmology concept, which is basically, you know, between him and other scientists, you know, exploring the universe, they had a fantastic start, you know, with telescopes and all sorts of different things and tools that we still use today. But it was Isaac Newton, like I said, who formulated a lot of the theories that we still use today. Some of his theories were disproven, and people like Albert Einstein came around, and they, again, came up with new theories that might have explained some of Newton's theories, and then we go down the road, and then some of Einstein's theories have been proven wrong. But sometimes later, they've been proven right. So we never quite know what to make of the universe and everything that's growing. So like I said, what are the parameters for the universe? One, the universe is everything outside of our planet, basically, you know, including our solar system, including the Milky Way galaxy, including all the other galaxies, the known universe is basically everything from point A to point B, from start to finish, okay? We don't know what's outside of that. We've never been that far. We have no clue. We just go into the night sky and we're just exploring as best as we can with whatever tools and opportunities we have. Currently, the farthest man-made object uh, is going to be probably Voyager, which I believe is making it and its destination past Pluto into the Coupier belt right now. That Voyager mission was launched, you know, quite a few years ago, so it will be a very, very long time until another object gets that far. Maybe even, who knows, you know, we have to have better technology, but basically at this point in time, Voyager and stuff like that is all we have to go on, a little man-made object. So we do other things, of course, to explore the universe. We try to seek out other intelligent life. You might have heard of SETI and METI and all the different other programs that are out there. But essentially, trying to go explore the universe is very hard because we're very still limited in our technology. We've made it to the moon. We've not made it to any other interstellar resources yet. We've not made it to Mars. We've not made it to Venus other than with satellites and Mars with satellites. So maybe one day, very soon in the near future, we could have man on Mars or maybe even Venus. It just depends. Um, most likely Mars. And we'll get into all that later, of course. Now, back to physics. Why is physics so important to understanding parallel universes and worlds? It's because the multiverse theory, which basically states uh, similar, similarly to how Schrodinger's cat exists, there is, for every decision that's made, a infinite number of universes. You turn left, 
that was its own sort of universe, is how I like to think of it. Basically, the decisions that are made, like you could go and see other universes that are exactly parallel to ours in almost every conceivable way except major, maybe one or two things. And that's how this book describes it. It's basically the universe is like an ever-expanding bubble. And basically something causes this, we're not entirely sure, but there are many active aspects of the universe we don't understand, like gravity, anti-gravity, uh, you know, quarks, quasars, you know, you name it, like black holes. We, we don't understand anything. In fact, we don't even understand what happens when somebody goes into a black hole or wormhole or white hole. I just learned about the existence of white holes, which is pretty cool. For those of you who don't know, a difference between all those is a black hole is what is very common in the universe. And we see it, it's even in the center of our Milky Way galaxy. A black hole is basically a hole in the universe, a tear in space and time. And basically it is sucking everything into it. Not even light can escape it. You know, the center, the point of no return is called the event horizon, which is pretty cool. Um, but basically, we have no idea what happens. We don't know if every... I mean, most likely, everything would be destroyed that enters it. So we don't know if it's even possible for life to go into there and come out the other side unaffected. But we don't really know. What we do know is that the theory, at least in physics, is that there is what's called a white hole, which would be the other side of the black hole, potentially. We don't know if black holes go into nothing and they're just basically empty or if eventually that turns into something else but what we do know is that the universe is filled and filled and filled with these tears in space and time and basically the uh, the only explanation i have for this is that we're not quite sure but we think that there's a possibility that they could come out on another side the white hole the exit of that what would be connecting them would be the wormhole or the parallel between time and space. We don't know exactly where it would send you. We don't know when it would send you. We don't know anything. It could even send you back in time. Time travel has been theoretically proven that it is a possibility to do, but it is impossible to go farther than the invention of a time machine. So physics has allowed us to demonstrate that it is possible with enough energy and velocity and speed that you know time slows down and speeds up based on how we interact with the universe. So it is possible to slow down time or speed up time, and then therefore time travel is possible. But we won't know basically of its existence until it happens. So there's always that. Now, going forward, besides those things in the universe, uh, the universe is filled with all these different things besides you know planets and asteroids and comets and you know, there's rogue planets, which I love learning about, you know, planets with no star, planets with no, you know, gravitational pull in a certain direction. They're just flying through space. I find that completely fascinating. We're even discovering, you know, new types of planets, even in our own solar system. I mean, there's micro planets. Like I said, we're, we're learning about, you know, smaller planets like Pluto has been downgraded, obviously, because of the size. But we're learning about, you know, other types of things that are out there in the universe that are in our solar system, let alone everywhere else. But, you know, the closest galaxy, this would be very interesting, the closest galaxy to us is the Andromeda Galaxy, and that is what you call light years away, many, many light years away. So what is a light year? A light year is the distance it takes from the light from a star to reach you. So the distance from, let's say, our sun to the Andromeda Galaxy would take 
hundreds of years, going at the speed of light, the fastest somebody can possibly travel, the speed of light, uh, that would take, I don't know, hundreds of years to do. So we don't have the technology to go visit that, but that is incredible that there's even another galaxy that exists that is close to us. Um, and so I think one day it's even said that those two galaxies will even collide because we are hurtling, hurtling through space at unbelievable speeds per hour. And it is amazing that we have never known about this, like you would never think it, like gravity holds everything into place and is one of the most incredible forces of the universe. So I mentioned earlier anti-gravity, you might be going, or anti-matter, what is that type of deal? Um, well, we all know that everything on Earth is composed of a few different types of elements. We theoretically say that everything on Earth is made up of matter or some type of material that basically gives us the way, shape and thoughts and the way we are, matter. You're made up of material. Essentially, you're made up of stardust you know, that formed over billions of years of time to give us what we now know as the human race. But the essential concept stays the same. Okay. So then what is antimatter? Antimatter is a force that when interacting with matter makes it into nothing. So we don't even know what's out there. Um, I know I keep saying that, but basically the idea is that if this type of force exists, it cancels out everything else in the universe. Um, so we do know that there is such a thing as antimatter. Or, yeah, antimatter. We don't know if it is anywhere near Earth or even if it's possibility of coming to Earth. All right. Now, having said all those theoretical, fascinating, fun things, you know, like I said, we talked about the idea of physics and the idea that there are parallel universes. So uh, Machio, or Michio Kaku does a great job of explaining that you know, we have all these theories and ideas about how to travel to other universes, and we have amazing technology that is giving us better and better glimpses of it, but we might not ever know. But all we can do as scientists and as people is continue that curiosity to explore and see what, it's, what else is out there. Uh, like I said, during the time since this book has been published, a black hole was actually photographed, which is pretty cool. Um, you know, like there was actually a photograph of it that you can go and Google and see. Um, you know, it was thought to be impossible to photograph because it is the color of space. It is black and nothing would be there. But it is possible to see. Now, having said all that, um, that was a lot. So what did I think of everything that I just gave you? Well, it's a lot of information. It's pretty cool. Um, because I love science fiction, which a lot of that is based on, and not just science fiction, but, you know, reality always incorporates aspects of science fiction into its, you know, real life. You know, like the inspiration for science fiction comes from real life. Everybody knows this. So, uh, having said that space and what's out there, we don't, really know. We don't, we'll never know everything 100%. I'm convinced the human race will, has ages to go before we even get anywhere close to expanding. So, um, you know, there's always the possibility that the human race will expand and will grow. And I hope that we do get to see the stars. Um, it's going to be quite the battle, though. All right. Now, having said all that, I do want to bring up a couple main facts that we do know about the universe. Which is that, you know, until a time comes for when we can harness energy at a better rate or, you know, basically eclipse the speed of light, which may never happen, but it is a possibility. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, we'll, we'll never truly be able to explore everything in the universe. And I also want to talk about 
the way the universe is theorized to be developed. We have a couple of suggestions, but the main one that most people would probably recognize is the Big Bang Theory. There was a single point that exploded. Uh, we're not quite sure what happened exactly, but over time, you know, the elements developed out of this gas and, you know, basically planets and solar systems and galaxies are, you know, moving apart and further and further apart from one another. And so one way people theorize that the universal end is called the big freeze, which is where basically, you know, the, the further and further out we go from stars and other planets, it's more likely temperatures will plummet, we will be cold, we will lose our heat and energy and resources, and eventually everything in the universe will freeze and we'll all be dead, basically, but before long before then. But that's basically the idea, the big freeze. And there's the big crunch, which I am a fan of, which is basically the universe is ever expanding until one day the forces that make up the universe, <coughs> excuse me, uh, you know, come back together. They're, they're sucked in together by a gravitational pull and maybe swallowed by black holes. <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> Sorry, I have a tickle in my throat. And so what will happen... Here, actually, let me get a drink of water. Bear with me for just one second, folks. Okay. What will happen is that the black holes or other methods, we're not sure, could suck everything together in the universe into a giant bubble and explode into another Big Bang. We don't know for sure. Again, that's just one possibility. All we do know is that our sun will be long gone before then. Our sun will eventually either burn out or basically turn into nothing, uh, and the Earth will be destroyed at some point in the very, 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 very distant future. So hopefully the human race has a way to expand by then. Although, who knows if we'll even make it that far. All right, so uh, dude, I think that this book was easy to understand with all the technical concepts and physics. Um, as somebody who's not a scientist, I appreciated the down-to-earth and simple explanations that... Uh, Michio Kaku used. However, it is still very complicated. I think the average person would have difficulty understanding physics. And, you know, there's a lot of math and science that's used to describe everything. So I just want to say that if you're not into space, you know, again, if you're not into science or you're just, you're like, what is this? What is this about parallel worlds? Well, this guy is just giving his basically his thoughts and opinions about what science can maybe possibly show us one day. And by the way, this is what we do know. And, you know, he uses general terms and concepts, but it's, it's a lot of information. So I'm just going to go ahead and say that I like the book and I, I will continue reading it. But I just want to say that if you're not a science or geeky person, this is definitely not a, a type of book for you. So I'm going to give it a three out of five. A three out of five because it's good, it's readable, it's definitely doable. I like his other books. This one I felt like is an early book. He relied a lot more on physics and science and math, which of course is a major part of this book. But um, this book has too many topics to really condense into a 20-minute you know, conversation. So I'm just going to say if you like it, you should definitely check it out. Also, don't forget to share this podcast with your friends. We're growing in popularity and numbers, and I greatly greatly appreciate that. I'm going to try to bring you a podcast every single day this week. I hope I can. Uh, who knows what I'll talk about next. 
Thank you again for listening. This is the Coffee and Books podcast and movies now, of course. I'm your host, Scott. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great rest of your day and happy. have a good weekend.